Hey guys, sometimes you don't know what's true in baseball unless you hear it from the man, Ken Rosenthal. And when Ken Rosenthal talks about what's going on with the Houston Astros, you have to believe that there may be something to this whole, he really is not going over to CBT. So what does that mean about Frommer Valdez? Is he going to be traded? Uh, we'll talk about this and more on today's edition of the Locked on Astros podcast. That starts now. Locked on Houston Astros, and we hope that you join us for a daily Locked on Astros podcast. My name is Eric Heisman. You can find me on X at Eric Talk Strohs. Find the show at Locked on Astros, your team every day. Brett, uh, he couldn't make it today. He's really pumped about the holidays and everything. He says his love uh, and uh, good wishes for uh, your family uh, during this great holiday season. But Daniel May is joining me today. Daniel, where can they find you on X? Uh, they can find me at Daniel May, USMMA. All right. And you are a writer where? Uh, at the Crawfish Boxes on SB Nation. All right. So cool. Yeah. Um, we've been uh, kind of talking back and forth. And I like um, I like what you have been writing over there. So I wanted to go ahead and get you on here, get your take about what's been going on with the Astros and the salary, the luxury tax threshold. Uh, what the Astros are potentially looking at in the next coming years in terms of can they um, go ahead and uh, offer some of these guys extensions? What does it mean for Framer Valdez? Is he the best way to get out of debt quickly, so to speak, and uh, the best way to rebuild a farm system? Because that's what it looks like the Astros are trying to do at this point. Also, um, do fans kind of undervalue uh, from Rivaldez because I know that he had a bad second half, but this guy is still ace. And you have right now, I think Ken Rosenthal said five to seven teams that are just waiting to see uh, what the Astros decide to do. He's not on the market yet, but if Jim Crane decides to put him on the market, what does that mean? Uh, also, there's been some rule changes and uh, the Players Association. They ain't too thrilled about that. So we'll talk about that. And uh, Dana Brown is high on a certain uh, right-handed pitcher in the uh, minor league. So we'll talk about that and a whole bunch more on this uh, special uh, holiday edition of the Locked on Astros podcast. So let's get started. So um, nothing new, Daniel, uh, from Ken Rosenthal. He did say that Jim Crane has only exceeded the luxury tax threshold one time. That was during the 2020 season. And it was by a lot, but uh, they actually did not get penalized because that season was postponed or canceled because of uh, COVID and the pandemic and everything. So um, he has not actually had to face any penalties. So right now with whatever's going on with the TV money, uh, having to pay the um, extra money for uh, what revenue sharing, all this. There, there could be some uh, reasoning here that Jim Crane just doesn't want to have to pay extra money. So what do you think? Yeah, so and I think the important thing to remember here is that sports teams and franchises are no longer vanity pieces for wealthy people. 
Uh, it's more like a financial asset. And that's kind of a trend that's been going on the last 15 years. And I think Crane is really, from day one, viewed it as that. He's not Steve Cohen where he's a fan first. He's looking to win, but use winning as a tool to make money. Uh, and I think that's totally fair as an owner. But as a fan, it's a little bit frustrating, right? Uh, I think what's really kind of the shift in the last few years is by hiring Dana Brown, I think they've really decided that they're going to move away from a more analytical approach, uh, which I don't think meshes well with trying to, to be cheap on payroll. Yeah, I mean, we got James Click. James Click did some great moves. Ryan Stanek was one of them. You go out there and trade for some players that, like Yiner Diaz was kind of a throw in in that trade. And so you, so you go out there and get some pieces. Um, and so I think that's what Dana Brown is trying to do by signing some of these minor league guys. They may not be big pieces, but Dylan Coleman uh, could be somebody that could be a guy that that could um, open some eyes. So uh, outside of those big splashy moves, he really just doesn't have a big budget because as um, Rosenthal said that they may be over if they're not already over, uh, they're at the, the CBT right now and Crane may not want to go over. So the question is, uh, Daniel, is Frommer Valdez on the market or would the Astros be crazy to trade him and expect to win a World Series still? Yeah, so I think there's a lot of ways to look at this. Uh, first off, if there was ever a year to really redline the budget and try to really maybe push yourself financially, I think this is the year. In years past, you could go into every season thinking, we're going to win the AL West, we're going to make the playoffs, so why improve by few wins here or there, but this is a season where you know the Rangers are going to be tough. You know you're going to have a dogfight to make the playoffs. So spending an extra $20, 30000000 could be the difference between a deep playoff run and getting eliminated in September. Right. Uh, with that said, I went into this offseason thinking there's no way you trade a guy like Valdez. All right, 2024 is going to be the last time the Astros have a chance at winning 100 games or maybe even winning the division for quite some time. And why would you trade away a solid top-of-the-line starter for that? Now, with that said, I think Crane really is going to dump some salary. And I think Valdez is slated to make about $18 million this year in arbitration. So I think I it's 12.1, but um, it's 12.1 to 18, whatever you want to say it is. Okay. Um, so, sorry about that. But either or, he's going to make a decent amount of money. Now, I don't think it's worth dumping that. However, I think Crane, if he's really trying to pinch pennies, this could be a time to trade a player when his value is still high. Yeah, I mean, he's still coming off a season where he had, what, 200 strikeouts? Uh, let me see. He had 200 strikeouts. He still had a 3.45 ERA. He had a 12-11 and 11 record. His whip was still respectful at 1.126. So overall, he had a great season. But what a lot of people are going to look at what he did in the first half versus what he did in the second half. In the first half, he went seven and six with a 2.51 ERA. He had 116 strikeouts and 111 innings pitched. In the second half, we all remember what happened in the second half. He was five and five with a 4.66 ERA outside of that no hitter that he had. 
that was great. I, I think that was vintage uh, from Valdez, but at the same time, he just wasn't himself. And he also was not himself in the playoffs. And a lot of people can say that Kyle Tucker was not himself. So I think a lot of people are looking at what have you done for me lately? And they, they think that Farmer Valdez doesn't have a lot of trade value. But I think other teams are taking into account what he's done in the past. Everybody's liable to have a bad three months. And if that's the case for Farmer Valdez, people are still going to pay a pretty penny for him and give you all the top, top prospects because he still has a lot of um, – he still has team control for, what, two more years after this? And yeah, he's still years. an ace. Yeah. yeah so I mean, uh, what do you think? Yeah, so not his best year last year, right? But everything you said is still valid, right? He had four uh, above four wins above replacement, which – you know, is really good. And he's still, he's only 30, which means that he's probably not worth an extension like Garrett Cole, uh, but he's still valuable for the next two years, right? And there's still a chance he can bounce back to that initial form he had in the first half. Now, I think there's some pretty bad red flags that he put off in the second half and just over the course of all last season, right? So his strikeouts mm -hmm. went up. However, his home runs per nine went up about 0.3, right? And that's not just a blip on the map, right? His ground ball rate dropped by about 12 percentage points. And you could think, is that, a, is that luck? Is that just uh, a blip on the radar? Uh, but when you actually dig deep into his pitches, you can see that there's a reason why his ground ball, drop, ground ball rate dropped significantly. Uh, his sinker, uh, the vertical drop on that went down by four inches. Now, four inches, I know you're thinking that's not that big of a deal. But when you start talking about baseball and just how how much each inch can really make a difference, it makes sense that when his sinker isn't dropping as much as it did in years past, that he's not going to get the same ground ball rate. Yeah. And so I think that's and also a lot of the rule changes that uh, kind of affected the, the pace of play. Maybe uh, the, the pitch clock didn't help him last year. And there's some more rule changes. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, definitely. Hey, guys, let's go and talk about FanDuel. FanDuel is out there, and uh, who knows what they're saying about the Astros. I mean, now that the Shohei Itani's with the Dodgers, are they the favorite to win the World Series? Or what about the Braves? What about um, the Yankees? Now the Yankees are – wait, have the Yankees done much? No, they haven't really done that much. But there's some teams out there that are loading up this offseason. But a lot of teams are kind of waiting to see what y Yamamoto does at this point. But, guys, score early this NFL season with FanDuel. It's America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. The Texans, who would have thought that they would be eight and six at this point in the season? Um, so that's 150 bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get any action than now. The app is very easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Uh, so visit FanDuel.com slash lockdown and kick off the NFL season and uh, get ready for the playoffs. FanDuel is the official partner of the NFL. 
And guys, let me tell you a little bit about what's going on with uh, Locked On Sports today. It is this first 24-7 streaming channel out there, and it has hosts like me, Brett, and all the local experts across baseball. 24-7 streaming sports. It's all the Locked On shows that you love. 24 7. So go check out Locked on Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to our first ever national sports streaming 24 7 streaming channel. All right. So, Daniel, right before the show, this is, uh, we recorded like I think around uh, 1.30 or so, around one o'clock. Uh, the uh, commit the what competition committee came out and said, well, we th- we're going to go ahead and make some rule changes. And we already were hoping that maybe there would be some changes to pitch clock. We were hoping that maybe uh, with runners off base that they'll go to the 20 seconds like they have with runners on base. And that way you wouldn't have all these. I know that uh, off air we're talking about, um, well, we need to see what the um, see long-term effects and uh, see what the numbers say long-term. But um the 18 seconds or whatever it was, it's, it's just not enough time. You see a lot of pitchers um, hurting themselves. Max Scherzer has been a big proponent saying that uh, it's not just that more pitchers are getting hurt. It's the severity of their, their injuries because they're having to adjust their pitching style to meet this pitching clock. And so uh, the competition committee came out uh, just right before the show and there's some new rules. And uh, you would think that they would go ahead and, say, yeah, we're going to go ahead and shorten, um, give you some more time pitch. That's not the case. Daniel, now, uh, last year it was um, 18 seconds uh, with, uh, sorry, last year was 20 seconds with runners on. Now it's going to be 18 seconds with runners on. So instead of pushing it, uh, making it any changes with runners off, on, off base, they're making it where it's less time with runners on base. So thoughts with that initially? Yeah, to be honest with you, I didn't really think we needed a bunch of these changes. I thought the game was perfectly fine as is. Uh, but last year, game, the time of games dropped by 30 minutes. I thought there's no reason to make any kind of changes to that. And really, when you start talking about throwing a baseball, what an athletic movement that is. And if you make guys do it in less time, there's going to be more fatigue. Right. And generally, when you have more fatigue, you're just going to have more injuries. So I don't really see why this was necessary. You might cut off five, maybe ten minutes to the game, where you're going to have probably more fatigue and more injuries. And I think it's going to be a lower quality product at the end of the day. So I don't really see the reason why we did this or why the commissioner's office did this, but um, hopefully if it works out, I don't know. So now with runner, with the bases empty, it's going to be 15 seconds. And with runners on, it's going to be 18 seconds. So that's the new rule now. So you get a three seconds difference with runners on base. And so um, that's crazy. Now uh, it's going to go down from five mound visits during a game to four mound visits. And so uh, in the ninth inning, if uh, you use all your mound visits, uh, you can appeal for extra mound visit if you need, need to. So um, so I don't think that includes pitching changes, of course, but that if, that's if you just need to go out and talk. That includes the catcher. Uh, that includes the any of the infielders. So um, 
So that's uh, something new. Also, if a pitcher starts to warm up before inning, he must face at least one hitter. So this is something that we saw um, in the World Series in 2023. So that also um, wastes like 10 minutes of the game time. If you warm up pitcher, then they change the batter. Then you bring another pitcher. You've got to have that um, person face at least one batter. So that that is a rule that actually makes sense. And the runner's lane to first base has been widened to include the infield grass uh, to the dirt. So now it, it includes um, this whole little grassy area. Yeah, I mean, that was a rule that needed to be changed. It, it really didn't make a whole lot of sense. I think the way it was applied uh, wasn't very fair. Uh, but I think what's interesting is not so much the rule changes they did include, but the rule change they didn't. And what I mean by that is the challenge system for balls and strikes. They've played with that in uh, different minor league systems. And I think it makes a lot of sense, right? You're not saying we're going to a total robo ump, but if there's a really bad call on a strike three or a ball four, having an on-field challenge, I think would just make the game so much better, especially for the fans, because uh, nobody likes seeing a ball that's three inches off the plate get called a strike in a big moment. Uh, so I'd like, that's the one rule change I think everyone's behind. Uh, and I think it's interesting that they haven't done that yet. Yeah, I know that the uh, MLB came out and said that, well, they tried this in AAA. They they uh, shortened the, with runners on base, they shortened the pitch clock to 17 seconds. And they didn't have that many pitch clock violations. So they thought that if they lowered it down by two seconds, it wouldn't have that much of an impact on the game. And so... Um, Maybe we don't know. We won't know, but we know that the player association would have something to say. And so now uh, Tony Clark has come out and basically said that uh, today the uh, the the representatives from the uh, commissioner's office, they, the competition committee um, came out and made the rule changes. Players strongly feel that following last season's profound changes to the fundamental rules of the game, immediate additional changes are unnecessary and offer no meaningful benefit to the fans, players, or the competition on the field. This season should be used to gather additional data and fully examine the health, safety, and injury impacts of reduced recovery time that is what our focus should be. So what they're basically saying is let's see what this, the long-term effects of this is before we start shortening more. Yes. As a podcaster, I love the fact that I don't, I don't have to stay up so late on those freaking West coast games and do podcasts right afterwards. That extra 30 minutes is great, but at the same time it's costing uh, Luis Garcia. And I don't, I don't think Lance McCullough was effective this, but Luis Garcia had to uh, minimize his uh, delivery and change his delivery and to meet the pitch clock. And then that kind of altered his delivery, which led to his arm injury. And so there's a lot of pitchers out there that maybe didn't have his uh, quirky delivery, but there's a lot of people out there that are being affected. And what the players association is like, why? Like basically what you said, is it going to save what another five minutes? Is that five minutes really worth another year where we have to go have Tommy John surgery? Yeah. And what I would just say is one of the most suspenseful things in baseball 
is a runners runners on base in a big game, two outs. Pitcher gets into his uh, goes into his delivery, right? Gets the ball back, and you know he just steps off the mound. And that extra five ten seconds just builds a lot of suspense, right? Right when he's playing with the rosin bag, it just builds suspense. Baseball. It makes yeah. it makes the game fun. It's not basketball. You're not going to have a score every thirty seconds. Uh, so to me, it's just like this idea that we're going to try to cut the game down, try to shave every second off we, that we can, just doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. This isn't a TikTok sport. This is a game that's not a whole lot going on. And then when it happens, it really is exciting. Uh, and, you know, just anyone that's done athletics knows that if you want to make something harder – you reduce the recovery time, right? So if you run a 400 meter on the track, if you want to make it a lot harder, you just cut the recovery time down from two minutes to one minute. And uh, yeah, it's going to be harder. And like I said before, you're going to get a lot more injuries. And who knows if Luis Garcia, if this is the primary reason why he got injured, I don't know. But it's at least, like the Players Association said, it's at least worth pumping the brakes and taking a season to say like, all right, let's gather some long-term data. And the fact of the MLB to shave five minutes off the game is making, just jumping into this is a little bit discouraging. Yeah. Uh, so we'll talk about, I know a lot of people are discouraged about the Astros farm system, but I know Dana Brown is really high on one pitcher and we'll uh, talk about, we'll buy or sell on the Astros signing another reliever. And we'll go and talk about some holiday um, wishes that we have about the Astros. Guys, thank you for making Locked on Astros podcast your first listen every day. Whether it's on YouTube, go and subscribe to us. Go make us your first listen on Apple, Odyssey, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. Go and check out the Locked on Astros podcast. And go and check out Locked on Sports today as your second listen. Uh, they are the first ever 24-7 streaming channel out there with all the local experts like us, uh, me and Brett, and with all the national experts as well. All the sports you need to know, 24-7 streaming channel. Locked on Sports Today. Go and check them out. So, uh, Daniel, let's go and talk about uh, – we talked a little bit about the the rules. We talked a little bit about Farmer Valdez, the budget. Uh, the budget is kind of leading to the Astros needing to be a little bit more frugal, so to speak. And p- possibility of that, it, let's say they did have to trade Farmer Valdez – the Astros might have to rely a lot more on somebody named Spencer Arigetti. At this point, he's kind of looking outside on the outside looking in because the Astros, believe it or not, do have a pretty loaded rotation, especially in July once you ha- get a couple more arms back in Lance McCullers and Luis Garcia. Yes, I hear all y'all laughing at that. Yes, they'll be back pitching some point this year. But Spencer Arigetti uh, is um, – Dana Brown has high expectations for him and Jacob uh, Melton. And he, he mentioned this on Astro line last week. And he said, well, uh, we think maybe he can turn the corner. Maybe he'll come in spring training, light us up. And maybe at some point he'll get up early enough to win the rookie year or at least be a candidate. So he's talking about Spencer Arigetti. So do you think that there's a chance that Arigetti will come up early enough to make that type of impact with the Astros? 
Not really. Uh, this is a guy that had a walk per nine rate of over five last year, and you couple that with a ground ball percentage of around 32%. Um, that doesn't scream to me a guy that's going to be able to make a big jump, right? I think what Dana Brown is really counting on by saying that is his fastball is good right now, and there's no doubt about that. But he hasn't mm-hmm. developed that secondary pitch that's going to get swings and misses at the big league level. Because uh, he's not Hunter Brown where he's going to get a lot of strikeouts and a lot of ground balls. He's got to get a lot of swing and misses. And I think what they're expecting is him maybe improving that slider. And really, I think the the comp to an Astros pitcher in the rotation right now is Christian Javier. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be Christian Javier, but he's got a fastball that's tops out at 97 doesn't have a lot of vertical break, so there's a chance of getting a lot of swings and misses. And if you can develop a slider or a curveball that can kind of complement that and keep bat hitters off balance, then I think we can see a four or five starter out of him. But I don't think rookie of the year is plausible. I think really by Dana Brown saying this, I think he's trying to take the pressure off himself signing an arm, uh, which I totally get because he doesn't really have the money to do so. Uh, but I think it's a little bit fanciful at this point to expect him to be rookie of the year. And as Astros fans, we've always been accustomed. Well, I shouldn't say always, but the last few years, we've been accustomed to prospects outperforming their rankings. Uh, but that right. doesn't mean that that's guaranteed going forward. And Spencer Aguetti, there's really nothing I'm seeing right now from him that would make me think he's going to be a quality starting pitcher. I view him more as a bet, middle of the middle of the bullpen type of guy. All right. To kind of close out uh, this, his thoughts, he said he's got some good traits to his stuff. He's a good competitor and he throws strikes. So yeah, we'll see what yeah. happens. Eric Getty had kind of rose up pretty quickly. Uh, he's still young. He can still come up and uh, develop into a um, pretty good pitcher, but I think time will tell. And he may have to take his turn in the bullpen uh, to get, started in big leagues but i think a hot start in uh, spring training and triple a is what's needed for him to make his impact felt speaking of getting impact felt uh, i i know the astros lost a lot of people in the bullpen this year one one of those people i know the um a lot of people are reporting that the astros could possibly bring back hector Neris, or they're also kicking tires on jordan hicks do you buy or sell signing one of those two players uh, I don't think they're going to do that, right? This is a team that's already cash-strapped. They are cash-strapped before, but now with this TV deal, I think they're going to dump salary, not take on more salary. And to be honest with you, Hector Neris, I know when you look at his ERA, it looks very good. We start looking at the peripheral numbers, and it paints a different picture. I obviously think he's a good pitcher, and he'll probably be good for the next two or three years. But bullpen assets – sorry, bullpen pitchers, they're volatile assets – and to pay that last little bit you have for a reliever, I don't think is worth it. I'd rather give Spencer Aragetti a chance to pick up some innings. I mean, you can always develop a guy off the waiver wire. I think uh, Miller and company should be able to develop a guy that's capable of pitching 50 innings at uh, at a decent quality. And if they're not confident in doing that, then that's not really a good sign. Yeah. So, but I think that's one thing the Astros have been successful with, especially the fact that they haven't had 
the top prospects of the past few years. They've kind of uh, turned some of these um, guys that are just um, deaf pieces into actual players. And so I think that's what the Astros need to do until Dana Brown has a chance to rebuild this farm system. But it's kind of hard to do when you're always consistency consistently winning and that's what the Astros have been doing um, going almost going to the World Series again this year and you're you're not going to have the high draft pick uh, that they can need so um, but so just I want uh, before we end the show I do want to um, to all our listeners out there uh, Brett and I wish you happy holidays no matter which holiday you uh, celebrate just uh, spend some time with your family and just and uh, just know that yes we all love baseball but uh, this is the time to spend some time with your family. We'll try to get some shows out at uh, some point. Uh, definitely not going to do it uh, Sunday night, maybe not even Monday night. But we'll get some shows out next week. But um, uh, go ahead and respond to this episode. What are your favorite um, Christmas memories, Hanukkah memories, whatever you celebrate um, during this holiday season? What are your fav- favorite memories with your family or even um, about Astros related. What's your favorite Astros gift you've ever gotten or something. So uh, anything you want to say, Daniel, uh, towards your family or anything? Love you guys. Thank you so much. All right. So um, go ahead and tell us once again, where do you, do you write at and where can I find you on uh, X? Yeah. So I write at the crawfish boxes on SB nation. Uh, my username is Astros fan and VA. And you can find me on X at Daniel May, USMMA. All right. And you can find me at Locked on Astros. You can find me at Eric Talkstros. And uh, guys, happy holidays. Uh, Brett and I will be back sometime next week. And if uh, Dana Brown happens to give us some type of present over the weekend, we'll try to cut in and uh, give you all a show. But I think Dana Brown's probably going to be spending some time with his family. So um, until next week, uh, Daniel, thank you for uh, jumping in. Uh, We will see you next week. And let me go and turn the music on. And thank you for making Locked on Astros podcast your first listen every day. We will see you next week. And go Strokes.